Why hasn't the shuttle arrived yet? Sir, the vessel crashed in Sector 4. Should I send a recovery team? Negative. If they're past the perimeter, then they're as good as dead. Once again, Bucketheads, Mavar Tigar, welcome to another exciting installment of the Mandovision Podcast. This is our 239th episode, 239th Mount Tantus Mundanity episode of Mandovision, and I am your host, Nargai Tom. Thank you so much for once again checking out our small, independent Star Wars podcast. We are so glad that you're here, and by we, I mostly mean me. Reach out to us on social media. We're at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. You can email the show, MandoVisionTom at gmail.com. Be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and share the show with all the Mandalorians in your covert. All right, friends. Well, we're back. We were off last week uh, for a variety of reasons. You know, the, 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 on the surface, it just seemed like it was a good transition week. You know, we had just covered the introduction of the Bad Batch. Uh, during the revival of Season 7 on Disney+. And we knew that the Bad Batch was starting later that week. So, in theory, that should have been a good enough justification to, to not hurry back and, and get into Season 3 of the Bad Batch like we are right now. Well, also, pulling back the curtain a little bit, there were some other factors in play that I, I do feel like sharing because, again, we are all, all of us who listen to this podcast or are part of this podcast who are part of of Buckethead Nation, uh, we're friends, and and I, I I have to be honest with you, there have been there has been some upheaval, some some turmoil in my life that 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 necessitated a bit of a, a gap week, if you will, just to kind of allow me to uh, get my wits about me in in many many regards. Uh, not the the well maybe the, maybe the perhaps the most important being uh, I have had a. Uh, a job relocation situation. 
not anything drastic. I'm still based in San Diego. That's not changing anytime soon. Uh, but I was moved to a different location within my company. And that's taken a little bit of adjusting. I'm on a bit of a different schedule because of, of it. Uh, but also last week was uh, slightly traumatic <laughs> in, a, in, a, in, a, in a physical sense because I had a very extensive uh, dental procedure performed on me. And uh, it was uh, horrifying, to say the least. I spent uh, several days afterwards do, uh, trying to, to speak as minimally as possible. Uh, I still have uh, uh, stitches in my mouth from that procedure. And yeah, honestly, it put me in, in a bit of a, a sour mood uh, as far as trying to uh, have the podcast happen right when, those, when, the, when, the, when season three of The Bad Batch began. So all those things kind of combined, it just seemed to make sense. Like, let's, let's just wait a week and, and we're going to get season three of The Bad Batch started properly. Uh, when I can be all the way in. That, that's sort of my requirement. Like if I'm not feeling it, I can't do the podcast any justice. And I don't, it's, it's, it's a disservice to all you wonderful people who take the time to download and listen and support the show. So I wanted to make sure I was a little bit closer to 100%, uh, physically, mentally, spiritually, all those things. Uh, and now we're in that place. So now I'm, I'm really excited to kind of get going here on season three of Star Wars The Bad Batch. Uh, we are. It does mean we're a little bit behind the eight ball, because as you know, we like to do episode by episode, uh, and they they gave us three episodes of the Bad Batch to begin with, and and we're, and we're only here to talk about one. And and by the time you listen to this podcast, the the fourth episode may be out already. Uh, I assure you, we will be caught up uh, in in a reasonable amount of time. Uh, I will endeavor to get at least at least two episodes of the show out to you this week. Uh, and then probably two in the next week uh, to kind of get us back on track uh, and, and, ready, and able to cover the season on a week-to-week basis. So I apologize. We're a little bit. We're going to be a little bit of a, a sporadic release schedule the next week or two. Uh, but again, if, if you're subscribing and you're following the show, then you, you will get the show automatically put into your feeds, and, and you'll know when they're out. So that's that's the good news. And 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 the even better news is that we have Star Wars: The Bad Batch to talk about, a, a show that uh, I, I think now that we are in the final season is maybe finally getting some of the recognition it deserved for, for the stories it was telling because uh, not only is it in one of the, the most fertile periods of, of Star Wars that we know of, you know, the, that era, you know, the dark times between episodes three and four, uh, you know, I, th- I think initially the show was sort of maligned for not, for not being all these different things, you know, you know, Star Wars fans always have an idea of what something should be instead of what it actually is and embracing it for what it is. I think the show's finally being embraced for what it is. And it's, it's telling, you know, really sophisticated stories, um, without having to be adult oriented. You know what I mean? It's, it's still a very all ages approach to, to, to Star Wars, which is, is, is very fair and reasonable. But there's a lot more going on in this series than I think, uh, you know, when you, when you pull the layers back. And this, this season seems to kick off even more of that because as opposed to, you know, going into the season, we're like, it's the final season of The Bad Batch. Like, there's so much that has to happen. We're going to get some kind of gangbusters, crazy opening, uh, you know, Star Warsian action sequence to, to kick this show off. And 
uh, episode one is the complete opposite of that. It is a, a drawn and measured episode. It's 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 plotting. It's 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 wrapped in mundanity of of imperial existence. You know, it's those those some a lot of those themes we talked about when we when we got into the to the bureaucracy of of, of the Andor show and, and seeing what it was like to be live in the Empire. Uh, you know, you're getting a taste of that on a, a bit more of a military level, of uh, in a bit more of a uh, uh, imperial science division level. But again, like the 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 bureaucracy, the routine, the day to day sameness of it all, um, echoes of of regimes of the past of our own worlds. Uh, so very very cool stuff, and uh, it's going to lead to some very very interesting topics for us to get into on the show. So I'm, I'm really, really excited that we're all here for it. So yes, our, our primary purpose here today is Star Wars The Clone Wars. Oh my goodness, Star Wars The Bad Batch Season 3 Episode 1. But uh, there's even a little bit more Star Wars news to get into before we get to talk about the episode itself. And, and that is uh, because, again, sometimes when, when you take a week off, things, things shake loose. And, and that is uh, the news that it sounds like Star Wars Acolyte will be available to start streaming on, on, on Disney Plus this summer. How great is that going to be? Uh, I think everyone in the audience knows how uh, excited I am for, uh, for Star Wars to spend time uh, in a different era. You know, we're talking about 100 years or so before the rise of Palpatine and the Empire. And, you know, I, may, I have maintained for many, many years, for basically for the existence of this podcast, and if you know me, if you know me personally, well before the podcast even existed, uh, I, I believe that, that Star Wars is such a fertile storytelling playground that to limit ourselves to the Skywalker saga is foolhardy at best. So getting to explore a new era is very, very exciting. And I really hope that this show delivers the goods and, and, and convinces the people at Lucasfilm and at Disney that it's okay to tell stories that don't revolve around you know, the 25, 30-year period that is the prequels and the original trilogy. You know, let's get out there. Let's start pushing the envelope. Let's go backwards in the timeline. Let's go forwards in the timeline. Let's tell interesting Star Wars stories wherever it makes the most sense and, and not be afraid of, of upsetting the apple cart. You know what I mean? So that's great, great news. Uh, and then uh, if you're a video gamer, like I purport to be, even though my video game time has dwindled massively in, in recent years, uh, it's been announced that there's going to be a, a new, a, a revived, revi a, re revived, re-release, updated collection of the Star Wars Battlefront games coming out in March uh, on PC, on, on I think all of our favorite consoles as well. You'll probably be able to purchase and download it as well. And that's exciting news because those Battlefront games were cool as heck. So we'll get to go back to all of our favorite battlegrounds from those games. Uh, uh, Bespin jumps out to me. Uh, Andor was always fun. There, there's so much cool stuff to revisit in those games. So get ready for a, a re-release of those classic uh, early uh, next-gen video game console games. Yeah, uh, I think I don't think they were Xbox box exclusive at the time. Uh, I think they were both on, on, on Xbox and PlayStation, but I could be wrong about that. Uh, Reagan, if you're out there, you probably can tell me for sure. And I don't know. I'm excited. I, I, have, I still have those games on, on disc somewhere in a, in a box or in a closet somewhere. Uh, but I'll be really uh, intrigued to play updated versions of them uh, here in the near future. So very, very exciting stuff. All right. So 
let's get to why we're here. That's about it for Star Wars news right now. Uh, back to the Acolyte real quick, though. Since the news is that it's going to be out in the summer, maybe that means we get a teaser or a full-fledged trailer here pretty, pretty soon, which would be delightful. All right, but let's go ahead and talk about Star Wars The Bad Batch, Season 3, Episode 1. This is confined. Our original air date for this is uh, February 21st, 2024. Written by Jennifer Corbett, directed by Sal Ruiz. Our primary cast for the episode, D. Bradley Baker is The Bad Batch. Michelle Ang is Omega. Jimmy Simpson is Dr. Royce Hemlock. Keisha Castle-Hughes is Emery Carr. Jonathan Lipow is the Imperial Tech. K9X1. And Gwendolyn Yao as Nala Say. This episode's plot Imprisoned on Tantus, Omega adjusts to a new life. And not surprising the way this episode kind of paces out. You know, we find out uh, that Omega's been on Mount Tantus here on, on the planet Wayland. Again, this is old Star Wars EU stuff that Timothy Zahn introduced way back in his Heir to the Empire novels, uh, which is very, very cool that they've reincorporated. Uh, but we find out that this story picks up about two to three weeks after... Omega's been captured and, and is on Tantus. I think it's about 21 days, actually, if you count those hash marks, if you can pause the screen just right. And then, there is, and not surprisingly, there is a time jump later in the episode, and we find out she's around one, day 164. And, and, and you, know, you notice the time change uh, because of the, the increased number of hash marks on, the, on her wall and her, and her cell, but also the, the hair growth, you know, to show the passing of time that, that Omega has been there. And... The, the routine, the day-to-day, -day, the, the mundanity, as, as I will probably use that word many, many times in the episode. Uh, that's going to be something we really hammer home in this episode because, again, I, I think maybe some of us thought we'd get some kind of big action-y Star Wars thing to kick off this season. And it's, it's the complete opposite. It, this episode is all mood and atmosphere and tone and, and sort of establishing the... Again, I'll just say atmosphere of, of, of what Omega and Crosshair are going through as prisoners on Mount Tantus uh, of Dr. Royce Hemlock. And, you know, these three episodes that kicked off the season really go a long way to uh, uh, filling in some Star Wars storytelling gaps. And uh, particularly by the time we get to episode three, when, when several big things are dropped on us that I think we all knew were coming, but we finally get those confirmations. Uh, so let's go ahead and dive into the episode. I'm so glad we're here to do this, uh, but you know what that means. It is time. Strap on your buckets. Let's go. Good morning, Omega. How are you feeling today? Like a prisoner. I want to leave. Prisoner? Omega, you are no such thing. It will take time to adjust, but you will acclimate. It is far safer in here than out there. Come. We have much to do. So here we are at the beginning of the episode, and we're sort of setting up Omega's day-to-day -day routine. We're seeing that blending of, of every day is like the other. And it's, it's for Omega, it's making the rounds with Emery Carr and collecting blood samples, trying to find uh, what they're looking for. And, and again, we've talked about it in previous episodes. Obviously, they're looking for something in the blood work of the clones. We suspect it's fueled and connected to Palpatine. 
Spoilers, it is. And, you know, this, this is the process with which Hemlock is going through to achieve the, the goals the Emperor has set for him. And it, it involves making the clones into guinea pigs at this point. Uh, we also see that Crosshair is still a prisoner here. He is being walked around the facility. Uh, a spirit's broken, uh, a bit of a broken man at this point after his uh, um, harrowing experience in the Outpost episode from last season, which I, in, in my opinion is one of the stellar pieces of Star Wars storytelling uh, uh, since Disney has purchased the, 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 the property. And... Uh, now we get a little taste of, of Omega kind, trying to connect with Emery Carr in the way she has with, with so many other people, you know. Uh, you know, Omega has always shown herself to have a uh, empathy towards other beings, whether it's, it's, it's you know, sentience or just, just creatures themselves. Uh, Omega's always trying to form connections. And this episode is, is, is again, her in a place where... Uh, people are reluctant to form those connections. That that's not how they go about their business. Emery Carr is very, very different uh, than Omega, despite the fact that she is a clone as well. So let's go ahead and play this little sequence here at the beginning. It sort of sets the tone for what's going on at Mount Tantus and Omega trying to to make connections. And now I need to take a blood sample from you. From me? Why? The samples are used for various research projects. All of us serve a purpose here. It won't hurt. Can you at least tell me where my brothers are? I do not know. If you're a clone like me, how come I never saw you on Camino? Because I was sent elsewhere, until Dr. Hemlock took me under his wing. He saw potential in me. Like Nala Say sees in you. I never knew that I had a sister. It's nice not being alone. Head to the lab. Nala Say is expecting these. So... I, th I think what you can glean most from that scene is just how different Omega is from uh, a person that she's referring to as her sister, you know, another clone, uh, very different upbringing, though, wrapped up in, in the Empire, and it's sort of cold, sterile, um, routine, mundanity, bureaucracy, whatever you want to, like, wrap it up into. I mean, it is... Uh, uh, Emery Carr is, is essentially a, a emotionless drone, uh, of of a, of a being at this point, you know, none of the vim and vigor of of other clones we've encountered throughout the history of the show, uh, including into Star Wars: The Clone Wars. So Omega trying to form a connection with her is is, you know, not going well. Uh, but what's most important there is that we see that a blood sample is taken from Omega, and what we've known from the beginning is there's there's something in Omega's blood that makes her special, has made her this hot commodity that the Empire has wanted to reacquire. Uh, since the beginning of the series. And Nalase has been very, very protective of her because of that. Nalase seems to know exactly what's going on. So when we get to the next sequence here, again, uh, 
Omega working her way through the through the facility. We're seeing Republic commandos. We're seeing the high security involved in every step of the way. The the, the scans that have to be conducted before anyone can enter uh, uh, the labs of Nalase. And uh, again, you're just you're just seeing all of this this this. Again, I, I, I'm going to go with the word sterility again because it's just it's so bland and it's so boring and it's so imperial. <laughs> it's just it's 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 a very unstimulating environment for a a person as stimulating as Omega is. Uh, so like, I, I think every day that Omega spends in this facility is almost like a slow death for her because it's it's the opposite of who she is in so many regards as as, as, as particularly her personality versus uh, the personality of the kind of people who serve the Empire. But let's go ahead and play the sequence here now. Uh, Omega is delivering the, all the blood samples that her and Emery Carr have acquired from the various clones in the facility, including Omega's blood sample. And Nalase will notice that Omega's sample is in the mix. Omega, your sample was taken. Mm-hmm. Emery said it was routine. Why are you discarding it? Tell no one. It is safer this way. This research, it's not like what we did on Camino, is it? No, it is not. Why did they bring me here? To ensure that I cooperate. The Empire seeks the reproduction of a genetic M-count. But the experiments on the specimens have yet to yield the desired result. What specimens? You mean the clones? No, not the clones. How nice to see you reunited with your trusted assistant. All right, let's pause that right there because, again, a good amount of information right there. With the, you know, we're using the word M count. I think we're all very much aware that this is this is what they're using uh, to not say the word midichlorian. And we're talking about clones and, and genetic testing. And, you know, we get into a little bit of this in The Mandalorian, obviously. Uh, 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 and we know that we're building our way towards, for better or worse, Rise of Skywalker and a clone of Emperor Palpatine himself. Uh, so a genetic clone body that has the ability to use the Force. That's what the goal is here. And again, that becomes much more explicit in the third episode uh, of this opening uh, uh, arc for, for the show. Uh, but these are, these are the sort of the introductory pieces kind of coming together and us seeing this. Um, what, what I really took from the scene is uh, Nala Say in the scene. Now, I don't know uh, the... A life cycle of a Kaminoan. Uh, I don't know if she's just old and slowing down, or if she's. Which to me, she just seems like broken in spirit. Uh, you know, she is a prisoner of the Empire. She's being forced uh, to work on this cloning project to 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 prolong the life of of by all rights an evil evil man, uh, and 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 that evil man wants to have the ability to use the Force in his next body, and. Hemlock is the guy to facilitate all these things, and Omega is there to make sure that Nellisay complies. 
Uh, let's go ahead and play this. Her hemlock just entered the scene, but let's go ahead and play it out. I'm sure Omega's presence here will only strengthen your efforts. Shall we head to the vault? See to your remaining tasks. And we'll get into the vault later. That's... But don't be surprised with what's in the vault. That's all I'm going to say. So now we're going to see another part of, of Omega's day is spending time in these pens with the, the Lurka Hounds who the Empire has trained to sort of defend the facility from some of the other aggressive creatures that live on Wayland in the forest surrounding Mount Tantis. Uh, and as we discussed earlier, you know, Omega is a, uh, a very sympathetic, empathetic being. And so, again, she's trying to form these connections with, with somebody, with anybody. And, and she's trying to hear with this wild uh, Lurka hound that doesn't seem to have much interest in, in Omega at the current time. I betcha. Still won't eat the food, huh? I don't blame you. Yeah, I saved you some of mine. I'll bring you more tomorrow. I think we have to ask the question, uh, is Omega playing the long game here, knowing that sort of befriending the Zorkaham will come in handy down the road? Or is this just Omega simply trying to find a connection to another being in this facility where she is so alone and so isolated? Uh, part of me thinks it's a little bit of both. You know, she wants that connection to somebody in this facility. Uh, but at the same time, I think she, I think, you know, escape is definitely on her mind. And the idea of having a uh, Lurka Hound on her side probably has, you know, come into some of her scenarios for, for potentially getting out of there. Uh, but as we see right now, befriending that Lurka Hound has, is, is easier said than done. All right, now we get to another important uh, uh, sequence in this opening uh, of, of the episode where... Omega talks to Crosshair, and it's, you know, again, Crosshair is a character who has had minimal positive conversations with Omega, uh, and now they are the two that are that are forced together here, uh, and she still considers him a brother, but he has no affinity for her whatsoever. It's, it's a unique dynamic in, in, in the course of the show. Crosshair. I tried to come earlier, but there are too many guards watching me. You shouldn't be down here at all. Well, how else are we going to plan an escape? There is no we, and there is no escape. I've already tried. Every stronghold has a weak point. Maybe I can convince Emery to help. She's one of us. Not every clone is your ally. You trust too easily. Maybe you don't trust enough. Crosshair? Just go. Before you make things worse for both of us. 
has to be a way out of here. I'll find it. Again, Crosshair, very, uh, very much a broken person at this at this point in the show, and the idea of Omega sort of dangling this hope seems to upset him more than anything else. He seems uh, relegated to his fate, and 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 the idea of this optimistic child uh, claiming that she's going to find a way to break them both out of there uh, is something he's not prepared to deal with emotionally, mentally right now. It's not in his wheelhouse. Uh, we also get a glimpse of what is potentially like a long-term uh, debilitating injury that, that Crosshair has as probably as a result of his exposure uh, in the outpost episode, uh, the, the normally steady hands of the sniper, uh, no longer so steady. And we have to wonder when that's going to come into, come into play during the course of this, this season. And in particular, because again, they gave us three episodes. So we know the arc is there like we're talking about escape we're we're all probably fairly confident that by the third episode escape will be eminent for for these characters in particular but it's it's nice to sort of see that crosshair is still dealing with a lot emotionally uh from specifically the outpost episode again stellar star wars storytelling right there if, if you want to go back and revisit that one that will that will give you a good idea of why uh, crosshair is in this this specific headspace that he's in right now good stuff and so as omega's day comes to a conclusion uh you know it's, it's her looking out the sill of her window dreaming hoping and planning an escape but also still being a child too she she has a personal item she's made a little dolly for herself that she keeps hidden because she knows the Empire will take it away from her if it's discovered. Uh, and then we close out on, on her day. And they do it in what I think is a, re a really brilliant fashion. I really liked how we cut back to that, that dial uh, of, of, of the blood samples that, that Nala Se was, was putting in to uh, be scanned by whatever that machine is. Uh, but it, it, it rotates like a clock. It's, it's, it's a blood clock, essentially, right? It's, you know, it's full of the vials of the clone blood samples. And it, it moves slowly, methodically, like a clock in a, in a, in a highly uh, sterile, bureaucratic way, right? And, and so that marks our passage of time. Because the next morning when we wake up is when we've had our time jump. And we're now 120-something days into... Uh, Omega stay on Tantus. We see the long hair, but we see that her day begins much the same with Emery Carr uh, uh, coming to check on Omega. And, and again, just making these rounds and seeing Crosshair uh, being walked by the Republic Commandos. It's, or I'm sorry, the Imperial Commandos. I said Republic Commandos earlier too. I meant Imperial Commandos. My goodness. Uh, but yeah, the, the, again, I'm, I'm going to use the word mundanity of the Empire is the routine, the repetition, the, the sameness of it all. Uh, days that are indistinguishable from the other. Sounds like sounds like just absolute horror to me personally. Good morning, Omega. Good morning. Let's begin. So again, in that Groundhog Day fashion, we go through the same day over and over again, and it's not until you know again the blood samples going to Nala say Nala say destroying the sample that contains Omega's blood. Uh, it isn't until we get a little difference uh, when Omega returns to the pens to uh, uh, 
again, trying to form that connection with, with the one lurker hound, and she finds that it's been injured, uh, and she attempts to get the lurker hound a little aid. <laughs> What is the issue? Bitch is hit! LH-201 sustained injuries during the nightly patrol. If her wounds do not heal, the subject will be terminated. Then do something to help her! Uh, I am not a medical droid. It is not part of my programming. <laughs> so Omega being Omega takes it upon herself to get a, a salve of some sort to help heal the Lurka Hound from the injuries she sustained on the nightly patrols, because that's Omega. And again, this is going to be the turning point in her relationship with the Lurka Hound. Uh, so uh, a, a, a pivotal moment in this episode is as Omega, again, despite this mundanity, this routine, the sameness over and over again, uh, is still trained, staying true to herself. And I would imagine keeping hope alive, that escape will happen at some point, you know, looking for those opportunities, looking for those moments. But now let's go to an interesting conversation. Again, she's still co uh, conversing with Crosshair, treating him like like her brother, like she did with, with everyone else, with like with Tech and Echo and Wrecker and, and Hunter and everybody else. She's not mad at Crosshair. She holds no grudge. She still sees him as her brother. And uh, again, I, I just like the conversation a lot, and, and so we're going to play it because, again, Crosshair is just so broken at this point. He's, he sees little, little hope in trusting this little, little girl to come up with any sort of plan to save them. I dressed Batch's wounds as best as I could. At least she didn't bite me. That's progress, right? If she doesn't get better soon... Maybe I can steal a med kit from the lab and see if there's anything I can use. Stop. What is your primary objective? Escape. Then stop wasting time on lost causes. Forget the Hound, forget me, and complete the mission. Not without you. If I get the chance to escape, I wouldn't think twice about leaving you behind. You're lying. You wouldn't do that. You're my brother. I'm not them. I'm not giving up, Crosshair. I won't let you either. Omega. Don't risk anything for me. I belong in here. None of us belong in here. And that is just one of those insanely powerful lines uh, that really just hammers home this episode. And again, the thing that I have... And again, I don't want to act like I'm alone on this, but the clones, so abused, so tortured, just treated like property. And Omega sums it all up. None of them deserve to be there. None of them should be there. Uh, they are living, sentient beings with freedoms and rights, and, and they are being treated like property. And it's disgusting. I find it abhorrent. I, we should file injunctions against the Empire for their behavior immediately. But again, it just, it just hammers home everything that we've been saying about Omega. The, this character who... Uh, uh, 
maybe more so than than other characters in Star Wars is like just sort of like this living embodiment of just hopefulness and optimism and and that things can be better and improved and 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 right you know wrongs will be righted and the idea of of truth and justice and everything in, in this in the galaxy it's uh it it's it smacks of a certain naivete in the, in the face of the empire and the, and the, these dark times that surround her but omega as like sort of this 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 uh, uh, bright shining light uh i like it i i personally really in, enjoy that with the character and 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 again these are the dark times we're seeing the badness of the reign of the empire at, at, at sort of like the beginning of its of its of its peak and this character who um not overtly not in in the in an open rebellion sort of way but just just by just rebels by being hopeful that good will happen that the that wrongs will be righted and 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 and, and that everything will be okay in the end again it yeah it's 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 certainly naive but it's also uh, has a very Star Warsian uh, logic and, and, and appeal to it as well. And now Omega is about to get a random search from some uh, Imperial commandos and find out that she has uh, some contraband. And it's not it's not smokes. You know, we all thought it was going to be smokes, but it's not. It's just her dolly. Bring it here. We've been over this before, Omega. Personal items are forbidden. I'll dispose of it. Don't. Please, Emery. It is for your own good. Come. We have work to do. And again, the routine begins. But let's go, let's see how the research is going with Nala Say and Dr. Hemlock. They're about to impart some more stuff. More M count! We all know you're saying midi chlorians. Don't don't mess with us. The Emperor should be pleased to be accomplished a successful transfer. Not when the M-Count was severely diminished in the process. If we do not match or exceed the specimen's original count, it is a failure. If you cannot produce the desired results, I'll have to reconsider the freedoms I've given to your young assistant. I would hate to think you were intentionally delaying this advancement. You should not question my loyalty to science, Doctor. Of course. And we shall soon see if the Emperor is as understanding as I am. So I like that bit, uh, you know, Hemlock saying, you know, oh, is the Emperor as understanding as I am? Obviously, reminiscent of when Vader says that uh, the, the Emperor is not as forgiving as he is. And so I, I, I like that sort of uh, a full circle approach there to, to comparisons with uh, Palpy Alpy Alpatines. All right, let's go back to another pivotal moment in the episode here with Omega uh, back in the pens, checking on, on the, the Lurker Hound that she is uh, uh, befriending, I guess is the best word. I, I think she's calling him Patches, which is interesting. But yeah, let's go with it. All right, so let's see how it plays out. Let's go. Hey, Betcha. Oh, Betcha. Look Sorry. at you. You're almost at a hundred percent. Do not read the scanning orders for the day. LH two zero one has been slated for termination. What? Why? She's healed. 
The creature's recent domesticated disposition has been deemed a liability. That's my fault, not hers. It is protocol. So, our first like, action-y kind of moment here in this episode, uh, as uh, Omega attempts to save the Lurkerhound Pat- Bat- Bat- Batcher that she has uh, uh, unwittingly domesticated, uh, and, and that goes against the uh, directives of the Empire, you know? And, and now that, that Lurkerhound is, is scheduled for termination, and, and Omega acts out, lashes out to protect the creature that she's now formed this connection to, uh, and, and smashes the poor kennel hound droid in charge of everything, who definitely deserved it. He did. You don't, you don't just indiscriminately kill domesticated lurker hounds. That's not cool. We're not down with that. Uh, but this, again, earlier in this episode, it's been building to this. We've seen it. This sequence emphasizes it, that these data pads that have to be slotted into the walls are of extreme importance here and it's gonna again. This is something that's gonna shake out over the course of the episode, particularly when they need to escape. These data pads need to be in your hand. You need to be a high accessing member with a data pad that has all the right information in it, and then you have to slot it into the the walls or the terminals where you're trying to get to and from to get out of Wayland, to get out of Mount Tantus. And I, again, a lot of security, a lot of control. Very, very imperial. I totally understand it. I mean, from an Imperial perspective, I, I, I get it. I get it. All right, so it's also at this point that Omega, uh, now that the security droid's been killed, and again, she can't change the fact that this, this lurker hound that she's made into a friend has been scheduled for termination, so she sets it free. She opens the gates and, and, and shoes it away and says, hey, go live in the wild uh, because uh, you can't be here anymore. My bad. Uh, but Hemlock's there. And he has an assessment on the situation that's of, of, of note. Breaking the rules, I see. Releasing a weak lurker hound into the wild. I didn't know you were so cruel, Omega. Me? You were going to terminate her. And you believe your actions changed that outcome? Now, some rotations ago, one of our shuttles crashed just beyond this mountain. But that is not what killed them. No, it was the creatures that roam the jungle. Even our strongest lurker hounds struggle against what's beyond these walls. And your domestication of LH-201 only made her vulnerable. You don't know she won't survive. She deserves a chance. Oh, the flawed logic of an idealistic child. Emotion and sentiment have no place within these walls. You would do well to remember that. Or what? Doctor, perhaps I should return Omega to her room. You have more to say? I know. You brought me here to make Nala say cooperate. You need her. She won't work for you if you hurt me. <laughs> of course, I'm not gonna hurt you, Omega. 
Your friend in the detention block, however, may not be as fortunate. Don't hurt Crosshair! He didn't do anything! I did have plans for CT-9904 despite his resistance to re-education, but I am willing to make a few sacrifices if your misbehavior continues. Actions always have consequences, sometimes not in the ways we imagine. Take her back to her room and restrict her access. All right, so now we're kind of reaching the end of the episode here. Uh, Omega back in her chambers, and Emery Carr, of all people, uh, uh, making a gesture. And, and, and maybe, maybe, like the Lurka Hound, her reaching out to Emery Carr has not fallen on the deaf ears that we maybe think it has to this point. Go away. Omega. Please, just go. She returned the doll in case you're not watching. Cries of a lurka hound who's been freed and is no longer a servant, a slave of the Empire. And we, we pan up on another night on Wayland, on at Mount Tantis facility, and we call it an episode. Uh again, I don't think it's the episode that we maybe envisioned to kick off this this season, but showing what Omega's going through, showing what Crosshair's going through, and and the Again, like the routine, the day-to-day, -day, the sort of monotony that is a, a, an existence under the Empire, of a, a life of uh, subservience and, and, and uh, no individualism. Uh, you know, you're, you're seeing all these things, the suppression of individuality and, and the sort of blaséness of imperialism. Uh, it, it's... it's one of those things, again, they, they explored it in, in a very rich fashion in, in the Andor show. Uh, but for a show, again, but Andor's very, a very adult-oriented show. Uh, so for them to have a similar tact uh, on a show that is more all-ages appropriate uh, is, very, is a very, very interesting choice. Um, you know, you know I'm, I haven't engaged with many children who, who watch The Bad Batch, but I would be very curious how they, they respond to this episode uh, because Omega, again, is like this bright, hopeful, individualistic character. Uh, and now to see her in this, this circumstance where she can't be that uh, is, is very uh, unique. And, and her uh, loyalty to Crosshair, a character who has shown her no loyalty in the past, uh, it, it's, it's all fascinating. It's a wonderful opening for, for this season of the show. And... And, and obviously, I, I can't wait to see where it goes next, except I already know. And, and so we won't spend too much time on that because we got two more episodes to get to that are already out. So 
a lot of potential. They they set up a lot of things. They start kind of showing us the world that we we hope that Crosshair and Omega will eventually escape from, uh, and and why they need to escape from it. You know the 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 um, program, the project that they end up being when it's finally revealed and uh, in, in confirming many of our suspicions. Uh, it's, it's, it's massive. It, it, it is one of the biggest deals that you could possibly imagine. And when we get to the third episode, we will, we will talk more in depth about it all because I have so much to say. Uh, maybe some of the things I've said in the past, maybe it'll be some new things. We'll see how it goes. All right. Uh, but I really enjoyed the opening episode. I loved the, the atmosphere and the tone and the, and the set, the, the mood setting for all of it. Uh, I, I it, to me, it's like eight and a half buckets pretty easily. Again, you only really get like one little minor action sequence, but uh, I, I think it was really important to kind of set the, 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 the tone for Omega's imprisonment here on, on Tantus, you know, and, and, and sort of the, the, the bleak sterility of it all. And really, really impressive stuff. All right, uh, so, yeah, eight and a half buckets and, and good, good stuff. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right, so... As I alluded to at the beginning of the episode, we're going to be back really, really soon to cover part two, or episode two of season three, uh, and then we'll be back as quick as we can to, to get to season, to, oh my goodness, to, to episode three of season three as well. Cover that initial arc, and hopefully be ready to go uh, shortly after episode four drops. All right, my friends? Buckethead Nation, thank you so much. I appreciate your patience while I deal with a few uh, things in my personal life, while I take a little breather to get myself collected. Uh, but we are the Mandalorian Podcast, and we are, more importantly, we are Buckethead Nation. We are the greatest collection of, of, of Mandalorian supporters anywhere. Well, arguably anywhere. <laughs> so I am your host, Nargai Tom. Thank you so much for checking out our small independent Star Wars podcast. We're so glad you did so. Thank you very, very much. Find us on social media. We're at Mando underscore Vision, Twitter and Instagram. Email the show, MandalorianTom at gmail.com. Be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and share the show with all the Mandalorians in your covert. If you're interested in, in, in helping us out a little bit, you can give us sweet, sweet, sweet five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to that maybe allows reviews. They help us out tremendously, specifically the small independent podcasts like us, to make sure that we don't get lost in the intergalactic shuffle of, of imperial bureaucracy and sterility. All right, Buckethead Nation, go out there. Continue to be amazing Star Wars fans. You are all the best people I know in the galaxy. Uh, and we'll be back very, very soon. But remember, this podcast can only end one way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. I would like to see the baby.